All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Tim, how many jokes did you make before the new year when you said, I'll see you next year. I'll talk to you next year. I'll see you next year, everybody. Did you did you use that joke a few times, Tim? Both of you that I have someone to talk to, to assume that. I've, who would I tell that joke to if not you? Just random people on the street in Charlotte. Hey, it's Tim. I'm new here. See you next year. I'll see you next year. Oh, sorry, everybody. You caught us in the middle of a conversation. Thanks for... Uh, tuning in and a new year 2022 like i mentioned before really appreciate the listeners we are trying to put out good product especially this coming year we got a lot of exciting stuff planned lots of good interviews in the uh, in the works but yes thank you for the support with official podcast of hockeyfights.com tim did you know that i do now pretty big deal i actually saw a stat last week saying that fighting was through the roof last year and if it were a, a regular 82 game season there'd be well over 500 fights which was encouraging because fighting was just on the decline the last three four five years has been a dying skill and for whatever reason whether it was covid just a hangover everybody's sick of dealing with covid and everything the boys were angry and they were fighting and it was great to see i love that i love fighting it's every game now you got some rivalries we saw washington nashville last week there was tempers flaring left and right. It was good to see. There was a brutal fight between Wilson and Borbiecki, two guys who I thought once they grabbed each other, I'm like, this is going to be a good one. You know, when you, <clears throat> well, I know when I was playing, you knew two guys matched up well fight wise. And you're like, this is going to be a good fight. I'm going to watch this one. Like if Mike Brown ever tangled with, um, who was a guy who just would shock him? Like uh, Zach Startini, guys who had no no regard for their own safety. I didn't like Startini. He was such a wiener. But like a, a, like a Rick Rippon or a Mike Brown, like those guys, like you're watching that fight. Like there was two really, really good middleweights, and they have no defense whatsoever. And I'm like, I'm watching this fight. Anyways, the Borbiecki-Wilson fight was awful. They just grabbed each other, and I think they were both a little gun shy because Bor- Borbiecki, he, that guy's tough. Like he, he is very – and he's got the face – if you just take a screenshot of a guy in the NHL who's like the scariest looking guy, it's Borbiecki. Like he's got a touch of the like screw loose. You look at him like, yeah, not he's not all there. He's not all there. 
And then there's Wilson, who's just everybody knows he's tough. But yeah, it was it was a dud of a fight. All the good fights this year, all the skill guys. You notice that? Like every good fight that's just like no regard for safety. It's like two guys who are actually ticked at each other and they have no fighting skill whatsoever and they're just chucking. I love that. That's the type of fights that I watch now. I don't watch the the trained fighters like the Ryan Reeves of the world because they they it's too much defense. What were the ones earlier this year that stood out the most to you? Like those skill guys dropping the gloves. I can't remember, Tim. It's so long ago. I, I have such a bad memory, and I, my, my wife hates it. She's like, you can't even remember anything from yesterday, but you can remember um, you're playing cards with your friends last week, why you lost that hand. I'm like, I, I don't know. But I know I like watching the Skull Guys fight. It's fun. It's a Debrinket fought. Uh, yeah. some guy, I recall that was, that a, was a fun fight. Very energetic. Yanni Gord, didn't he fight? Yeah, I think he fought Debrinket. Was that it? Yeah. We, we, we solved... The mystery who to bring it fought Yanni Gord. It was the shortest fight in NHL history, size wise, but not uh, intensity wise. It was a very good fight. But anyways, Wilson Borbiecki, total dud. Moving on. <clears throat> so, how was your New Year's, Tim? Did you did you take my advice and walk around downtown and just people watch for a little bit? I did not. No, I I got some Thai food. I got a couple beers to <clears throat> go, um, and I just ate it. Organized my. Um, apartment and unpacked and cleaned and just spent time here and watched the movie i was asleep by 11 it was great so is the house all set up everything's unpacked you got a bed how does that work out was there a bed already in the place when you got there uh no i brought an air mattress in my car so that's what i'm sleeping in and i have no other furniture i bought this cheap little target chair that i'm sitting on right now um which i assembled just to like hold me over till my furniture gets here but I, after I assembled it, I realized the height, the weight limit was 150 pounds. So I'm no. waiting for this to break at any point. Why um, would you buy that chair? It was, it was just there. I was going to get like a folding chair and I saw this. It was the same price. I'm like, oh, that's cheap. I'll just grab it. And uh, it was like $25. And I'm like, oh, this is, yeah, it's a little kid's chair. Um, it, I can fit on it, but I'm waiting for it to break. So like, and I have no furniture except for that in my air mattress. So whenever I want to like sit, I'm just like sprawled out on this like, have deflated air mattress and it's awful but You're i'm a disaster uh a couple updates though i bought a couch yesterday which is so expensive big like wraparound sectional it's beautiful leather uh not leather no um but too expensive but then um that doesn't arrive for a few more weeks and then um because of the the supply chain everything's backed up and then by wednesday i fly back to michigan to get I'll be there for a couple of days, pack the rest of my stuff into a U-Haul, and I'll drive that home this weekend. So that this weekend, I'll move in the rest of my my stuff. First big boy purchase with the couch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> it's, so when you, it's so expensive, man. What was the price tag? Let, what do our listeners, like above 500, above 1,000? It was over 2,000. What? Wow. That's a big yeah. ticket item. Very, very exciting. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, it's beautiful. It just, whew. well, the timing's tough because I'm like, I already paid for like flights and U-Hauls and storage and my new rent, which is more than it was before. And I got to I gotta pay a couple of movers to move my stuff in next week because I don't know anybody here. And I got to, there's a couple of things I can't do myself. So that that's actually not too expensive. I thought that would be expensive. It's like $200 for two hours, which is all I'll need. But right. it's just, everything adds up this time of year. Plus I have so much more to get at Ikea and ugh. It's annoying. Is Ikea your go-to, go-to store? You're like, I need something. I got to go to Ikea. You said, I've never been to an Ikea before. I've never stepped foot in one. So I'm it's excited. There's one here in town. 
Um, I didn't buy the couch there, obviously, but I'm going to get like some side tables and I want to get a, a headboard for my bed and a couple other things. So I'm going to walk in and just buy everything I see. So here's the scenario. You have a little girl, you meet her downtown. A little girl. <laughs> things are going well. You bring her back to your penthouse, obviously, as you would. She gets on the couch and she's been wearing high heel shoes all night. Kicks off the high heel shoes. She kicks her feet up on the couch. You really like the girl. What do you do? Do you say, hey, hey, pal, get your feet off my new couch? Or you just let it slide because you want to impress her? I would let it. I wouldn't do that to anybody. Get feet off my new couch. Really? No. Oh, man. You're you're nice. I'd be like, hey, yo, get your feet off my couch. What are we (laughs) raising a barn? I'd be like, take take a take a hike. Wow, good for you. Well, I also the couch has one of those uh, chases on it, so it's like a it's like a little. It just sticks out like a little bed on one end. You know what I mean? Like it's wider. Oh, no and it's, idea. Oh, I do. It doesn't have an arm railing. Yeah, like yeah. Lounging. So that's like for lounging. So if she wants okay. to put her feet up, she'll, yeah. she'll be over that side. Gross. All right, let's talk about hockey. This got weird. All right, Tim, you actually um, you brought to light some stuff that's happening with the Olympics. Elliot Friedman, friend of the show, he he was talking about some quotes. What are you shaking your head for? Do we have him on the show? He's still a friend of the show. You don't have to be on the show to be a friend of the show. Tim. He's definitely oh. a friend of the show. I know Elliot. We're good friends. Okay. He had some comments about some some reactions to the Olympic news that they're not going. What did, what did he have to say? I found this very interesting. Yeah, so basically, the, obviously, we knew from Marshawn's comments and others like him how frustrated they were. That oh, they hold on. Go. Let me jump in. Speaking of fights and skill guides, did you see Marshawn fight Nemestikov from Detroit? No. It was a terrible fight. <laughs> Absolutely garbage. Marshawn. Joke. Anyways, go ahead. Um, yeah, so they want to go desperately. So they're literally looking at, like, legal and contract ways to figure it out some guys are asking for or thinking about um asking for uh to be demoted to through waivers or whatever to void the contract some guys are saying they're going to retire um and be like officially not part of the league and then go play and then sign back with the team after the break now basically friedman said that the league would never allow that to happen um, and it's not likely anyway, but they're like literally looking for these deep outside the box solutions because they want to go that badly, um, asking to be demoted, asking, you know, to retire or all that. And then sign back a few weeks later, which it's, it's cool that they're thinking outside the box. Like there's a clever solution, but there's no way that Batman would allow that. This is all posturing. This is all players just talking a big game. Never in a million years would anybody have the stones to act to do this. And that's a fact. And so this is Elliot Friedman talking to a couple players, probably one, maybe two. And was, them just saying it was two. Marshawn and Stamkos. He didn't say that name, but those are the two names that have been thrown around with this. Yeah. And, and these are the guys who are just saying off the cuff, they're not putting too much thought into this. They're like, Oh, what if I retired? Then I could play. What if I got put on waivers Then I could play knowing well that they're not going to, it would never happen. That's like me saying, well, I guess if I train for a week, I guess I'll play. It's like it's not going to happen. You're not going to the Olympics. That ship has sailed. You're just still a little salty, rightfully so. But just all this stuff, it's a waste of time. They should just let it go. Stop complaining. The reason you're not going to the Olympics, there, I'm sure you got a bunch of mirrors in your house, 
It's because of that guy staring right back at you. You're the ones who signed the CBA. You're the ones who put that in the contract. You're the ones who allowed this to happen. If you really, 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 really wanted to go to the Olympics, you would have never had that clause in the CBA. It would have said, the players have the choice so we can go to the Olympics or not. Done. End of conversation. There would have been no stipulation saying, well, you know, if they're, if they're missing games and this and that, if there's ex- extenuating circumstances, the NHL can step in and cancel the Olympics. That would have never been in the contract. You made your bed. You sleep in it. You signed that deal. If it was really important to you, you guys would have made it happen. So now go away. Go play hockey. Go play in the NHL. Go try to win a Stanley Cup. That's what you should focus on now. Stop, stop making this an issue. That, I don't know. It's their own fault. I firmly believe that. Everybody knows what's in that contract when you sign it. You negotiate it. You talk about it. You pour over the contracts. You hire lawyers that get paid thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to break it down and tell the players what's at stake. And now you're upset because you're ha- kind of having to, to deal with your consequences. I am not one of these guys. There's a guy in my hockey team. We got into a conversation last night after a big win. Big comeback win, by the way. Big comeback win. He, he was talking about how he's a life coach. <clears throat> and I looked at him like, are you crazy? Like, are you, there's, there's such a thing as a life coach. And you probably have a life coach. You, you, like, you're the perfect person who has a life coach. I'm, People, I am a life coach, John. Yeah. It, 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 say, this guy in my team, he's a life coach. I'm like, bids. Like, no, no way. I'm taking advice from you on what hammer to get, let alone like what I should do with my life. And I'm just like Bergeron would be a perfect client for him. Stamkos because they just need constant affirmation. They need people to pat them on the back. And when they're faced with a decision like this, where someone doesn't give them what they want, it's like, man, I don't like it. I'm going to retire. I'm going to retire. I'm a mom. Steve Stamkos. I'm Brad Marchand. You give me what I want. It's mine. I deserve it. It's like beat it douche and Marshawn we want him on the show he's not going to come on the show anymore because I'm sure we're going to cut a clip and put a it's embarrassing it's absolutely embarrassing you're grown men you've been around the block you've been through negotiations you know how this works this should not be a surprise to you so I just I just let it go you guys lost you lost the war you won a couple battles you lost the war you're not going to the Olympics sorry Steve you could just stare at your Stanley Cups on the shelf you're never going to have a gold medal to hang up there you're not as good as Johnny Taves. Never were. Hack. <laughs> I don't mean that. I'm sure Steve's a sweet human, but I just think it's funny. But anyway, that's, that's my take on this. You probably are on the player sides, Tim. You're probably like, they deserve everything. We should send them to the Olympics and give everybody golds. Everybody wins a gold medal. Everybody gets a life coach. Everybody's the best. Is that your take, Tim? Yeah. Yeah. Word for word. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it. You know me you know, so well, John. In all honesty, though, do, what do you think of the players still talking about this, beating this drum? Um, if if I didn't hear your take, I would say, yeah, I would say they deserve to go. They should go figure it out, league. Let the guys take the risk that they want to. It's up to each individual person, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I'm surprised to hear you saying what you're saying, but it does make sense. Like, this is the business. They signed the paperwork. They know what the contracts say. And I mean, it doesn't get more like exceptional circumstances than global pandemic. You know what I mean? So they don't, this is what it is. That's just the situation. It's the reality. So I, I get their frustration. I think it's pretty funny that they're looking like 
even if they would never do it, but they're like, oh, let's retire. Let's ask to be sent down to the minors so we can go sign another deal. It's, um, it's funny, but it's, it would never happen in a million years. And the fact that you give Gary Bettman that kind of leeway, Gary's a slimy guy. And if you give him any kind of wiggle room, if it wasn't the pandemic, it would have been something else. It would have been like, oh, we missed 10 games because of, you know, travel. We, we, we're not going to the Olympics. Gary hates the Olympics. It interrupts his NHL season. He's not getting any benefit from going to China. He didn't get any benefit from going to South Korea. He's not getting any benefits from that. That's why he went to Vancouver because it was prime time. It built the game. The players were all over the media. That was something he could use to take to a TV network and be like, hey, look at this. We're crushing it in the Olympics. There was so much response. The fans love us. Give us a big TV deal. Enter ESPN. So he, he's a very, very smart businessman. And if you give him an inch, he's going to find a way out of the Olympics. And he did. Because this Omicron is not a real. Like, if, if we're just talking brass tacks here, it's not that life-threatening. You know what I mean? They're, they're, people aren't dropping dead everywhere from the Omicron variant. It's very contagious, but the players could deal with it. Just instead of bringing 20 guys, bring 30 guys. Bring a taxi squad to the Olympics. Just figure it out. There's ways to go about it to get to the Olympics, to get it done safely and get it done the right way. They just didn't want to do it. I don't want to talk about the Olympics. I'm sure we'll talk about it at another time. We'll talk about the World Juniors. One last story. It's pretty funny. All the teams are exiting Calgary, exiting Edmonton. Team Russia, they were fired up. They were very upset, got on the plane. I guess they're vaping, not wearing masks. Probably all gunned up, I'm guessing. The the legal drinking age in Canada in Alberta is, I believe, 18. And so they were probably out having a couple pops, Canadian beers, as we do. And they get on the plane. They, they got the Russian techno pump in. The coaches are vaping up in first class. The players are walking around everywhere. The flight crew is doing their darndest to try to get this team to calm down. And Slovakia is there, too. Poor Slovakia just gets lumped in with these guys. Finally, after a few hours on the tarmac, they're like, you got to get off the plane, you guys. Like, I'm sorry, you got to go. And so Team Russia, Team Slovakia was wearing similar colored sweaters. The whole th- the whole group got kicked off the plane. <laughs> it's just like a debacle. The Russian coach, he made a quote like, ah, what are you going to do? We got to stay in Calgary for a couple more days. And so it, it is what it is. It's just funny that it's Russia. I could just picture them just like not not giving a care in the Russian techno and no one's wearing a shirt. And it's, 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 like, that's what I think of Russians. I don't know. It's such a those... it's such a stereotype come to life. This story, you know what I mean? It's totally. It was is. so funny. It's so great, and they're just these young kids. Their dreams were crushed. They're just trying to have a good time on the way out. They like they don't want to go back to Russia. If you can stay in Canada, Canada's much better than Russia. So it's like let's just you know maybe extend our stay a couple more days. So they were on their flight to Frankfurt. That got canceled. They got a. I don't know when they got the next flight. Who knows? But uh, it's a funny little story. I, I I like that sort of thing. The Russians. I like them. Good guys. All right. Let's talk about some hockey, Tim. What are we talking about today? Walk us through our, our agenda. Well, I was just um, looking at the standings last night. I'm kind of looking you know, for interesting tidbits and stories. And the, the Pittsburgh Penguins won their eighth straight. They continued their hot streak that started before the little break here, um, which is really good. And they're still I'm, – I'm surprised they're not higher in the standings. But, again, they've had some pretty heavy injuries. Malkin's still not back. He's lagging a little bit behind here. I think they were hoping for him back in December. Um, but that's definitely a team to watch. And we, like we said earlier, like no one wants to play them in the playoffs. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if they're the fourth seed. They're, they're a tough team to, to out. Um, another interesting tidbit here, Vancouver, uh, they finally lost, but they're still like eight and one in the last nine games, something like that. 
they still haven't gained a single um, piece of ground in the standings. They're still seventh in the Pacific. Now they closed the gap, of course, but the Kings and the Sharks, those guys are still ahead of them, which I was really surprised by. And I don't know. Hopefully, do you think does that frustrate them when they're that hot and they're still last or second to last well, place? They were, they were 12 points behind everybody. So they've definitely gained ground. Like when you look at the standings, if you looked at it a month ago, Vancouver was sitting at 25 points and everybody else was at 35. And now they've gained a ton of ground. They're within three points of Edmonton for the last playoff spot in the Pacific. So they've definitely taken a huge chunk out of that gap based on the last 10 games. And they, they lost in overtime. So they like, it's, it's still technically a point. It's a, the loser's point, but I, I'm happy if I'm the Vancouver Canucks and I'm sitting there and I got Bruce Boudreaux pushing all the buttons and making everything go. Pedersen's been playing better. JT Miller undercover. Like I said, last week, MVP candidate, the guy has been playing lights out this whole season, friend of the show, JT Miller, who was on the show. And I, I like the Vancouver Canucks. We'll touch on them in a little bit, a little, little kind of topic we're going on, but yes, it, it's not frustrating for Vancouver at all to be, you know, three points out and you still got a good chunk of the season to go. Another thing, uh, kind of interesting, we, you know, plus minus as a stat for an individual sort of gets, gets ripped. No one really follows that anymore, but what do you think about uh, goal differential at the team level? Is that something that you should pay attention to or, or not really? Yeah, we mentioned, I actually did talk about this at the beginning of the season when Minnesota w- was playing so well, they were in first place, but their goal differential was so small. And it, it's an alarming stat because it doesn't mean you're putting teams away. It means you're eking out one goal games. And yes, that's a good thing to have a good record in one goal games, but it's also concerning. <clears throat> it's also concerning because you, you don't want to be in close games. Usually good teams are able to separate themselves from the other teams. Like, okay, we're up by one, we're up by two, and then they keep pouring it on, or they're able to hold a lead. It's a vi- I, I like this goal differential stat. It makes a difference for me when I'm looking at a team. I'm like, okay, where do they stand? Where do they sit? Like at the NFL, my Bills, their, their points differential is unbelievable. And that, to me, is, is a good sign for them coming into the playoffs because they know how to score points. They know how to put teams away. But it's also a little concerning. It's like, well, what happens when they get into a close game? I would rather have a team who's good at blowing teams out than a team who is good at winning close games. That's just my opinion. So I'm looking at the division um, leaders for each, you know, the division leaders for each division and Washington's plus 30. Uh, They had the best goal differential among those teams. Vegas is plus 20. Um, St. Louis in the central is plus 25, but Tampa Bay division leader for the, uh, uh, what is it? That's the Atlantic. The Atlantic. They're only plus eight. Um, so plus 30, plus 25, plus 20, and then plus eight, which is a huge difference. It's a huge drop off from the other divisional leaders. What does that tell you, if, if anything at all? It, it's, that, doesn't, that doesn't worry me at all for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I, I, I said at the beginning of the season, I said they just need to get to the, get to the playoffs and they'll be fine. They, they're the two-time defending champions. Sure, but the teams right behind them, Florida and Toronto, are plus 27, plus 28. So this this is an anomalous stat here. This is they they are the odd man out among pretty much most of the teams that have a winning record to begin with, let alone division leaders. Yeah, I agree. I I've said it at the beginning of the year where Tampa Bay will be in trouble. They have lost a lot of players who were keys to their success: the Yanni Gords, the Tyler Johnson, the Barkley Gaudreaux, and pretty much half of their defense. It, it's it's going to be a tough tough time for Tampa to three peat. I don't think they'll do it. 
this is what happens. You know, you play a lot of hockey, you win a couple of Stanley cups and it's tough to maintain that intensity level. It's tough to maintain that skill and it, it, it hurts. We see Florida. They're very hungry this year. Toronto is, they're playing good hockey. I don't know. I'm not worried about Tampa until we get to the playoffs, but it is, it is a little alarming when you look at the record. It's like, Oh, they're 21 and eight. That's like, that's really, really good. They're only plus eight. What does that mean? Are they just getting shelled in the games when they lose the eight losses? Are they losing them by five goals or is every game a close game? And they're just seasoned enough to win those games. But I don't like Tampa in the Atlantic. I like Florida. Florida's got a couple games in hand. They'll overtake them soon enough. You look at Carolina, they're plus 40. They got three games in hand in Washington. So Carolina will take over first place from Washington soon. I think the Rangers will overtake Washington soon. I don't think Washington will be able to maintain this 50 more games. I firmly believe that. I know Washington fans are very proud of their team. At the end of the day, in the Metropolitan Division, I think Washington will be a fourth seed. That's just my opinion. I think it'll be Carolina Rangers, Pittsburgh, Washington. We'll see how it pans out. I don't think they'll be able to maintain. I think Tampa Bay will land second or third. And, you know, the other divisions, who cares? The Western Conference are not going anywhere. But it, it, it does concern me a little bit, Tim. It really does. That's a stat plus minus for the player side. Throw it out the window. Goal differential for the teams. I think it's a pretty eye-opening stat and it, it does mean a lot to coaches it does mean a lot to players it is a good gauge on where your team is at that's what i think i, I like that stat. tim did you use doordash when you got the tie order yesterday boy did i ever oh, of course you did you know why because doordash is the best they're the quickest they're the easiest they're the most economical you're in a new city like tim is you don't know where to go you fire up doordash Oh, yeah, this Thai place looks pretty good. Bingo, bango, Thai food at your door. It's fantastic. You don't have to go worry about if this food is good. It makes it very simple for you. You don't have any cutlery, Tim, in your place. They give you Thai chopsticks. It was a win-win. Use DoorDash. They support us. We support them. Promo code GlovesDDUS if you're in the USA. GlovesDD if you're in Canada. 25% off your first order plus free delivery. DoorDash, it's the best. I use them. Tim uses them. It's a good company. It's very simple. Get food delivered to your door. It's a perfect marriage of food intake, money output. It's the basic capitalism at its finest. So use DoorDash. They are the best. We love them and they love us, Tim. And they love you. DoorDash. All right. We're almost at the halfway point in the season, Tim. Most teams are sitting at 34 games played, 35, 36. This COVID thing has made it a little tricky. Some teams have a little more. Some teams have a little less. Calgary's only played 30 games. Some teams are approaching 40. This is when you start to figure out who's, who's a player and who's a, who's a team that's going to fall away. And I, I want to know, we had a conversation before we came on the show. We've been discussing this. Which team is most likely to slide into the playoffs and which team is most likely to fall out of the playoffs? Because as it stands now, if you're looking in the East, the top four teams in the Metropolitan Division are Washington, Carolina, the Rangers, and Pittsburgh. Top four teams in the Atlantic are Tampa Bay, Florida, Toronto, and Boston. Those eight teams, as it lines up right now, make the playoffs. In the West, it's St. Louis, Nashville, Minnesota, Colorado. In the Pacific, it's Vegas, Anaheim, Calgary, Edmonton. Those eight teams are in the playoffs. Do you see... Any wiggle room? We'll start with the East. Do you see any wiggle room from any teams that could potentially overtake any of those seeds to get into the playoffs? And if so, which team in the East is the most on the bubble that you could see sliding out of a playoff spot? Honestly, I don't think there's any teams in the East 
I think this is locked in these days. Me teams. too. I thought that too. When I, when I was looking at the standings, when I was looking at who's chasing and who's ahead, there's nobody that scares me. The only team that could potentially go on a run maybe is Philadelphia. But even then, the gap's too large. They've already got a 10-point lead. The top four in the Metropolitan Division, they, they've kind of set themselves apart in that division. It's in a good division. Those four teams have really their head and shoulders above the rest of the teams. And even in the Atlantic, I thought Detroit, when they went on that little run, they would, they would scare Boston. They they've reverted back to old Detroit. They're playing average hockey. They're losing hockey games, Boston, Detroit. They played last game, Boston won. So I think the eight in the East are set, not in stone, but if there is one team that could maybe, maybe Detroit gets hot, maybe Boston falters. And we're hoping to get Jeremy Swayman on the show this week or next week. We'll see how that pans out. What do you think of them bringing Tuukka Rask back? I love. Do that. you think it's a good, why is that a good thing? Because to this point in the season, Allmark and Swayman have been really good, right? They haven't been the problem for this Boston Bruins team. What does it do to your team when instead of addressing the needs that you have in Boston, that is? some scoring, some supplemental scoring, some help down the middle, some help for the perfection line. They're struggling in Boston to find any, any other options. Why go out and bring in Tukarask? I know it's a pre-planned. It was, it, it was all but written in stone at the start of the season when he said, I'm going to come back. Why do this? Swayman's been good. It's going to stunt his growth to send him down to the AHL. Allmark has been playing really well this year after a, a preseason that was horrendous. Why, why do this if, you, if you're Don Sweeney? Well, is there anyone on the free agent market that can help him with scoring? The way, that help, the way that it can help with the goalies? Well, not the free agent market, but I'm sure you can make a trade. But I'm saying, like, you asked why I addressed this. Because Tuca's there. He's, he's obviously going to come back. It was always the plan. And he's, he's, it doesn't cost him anything other than money to bring him back. And he can only help them, right? And say he does. I mean, I don't, he could easily be that Norris-level goalie again. It's safe, but it's say he isn't. And he's still just like above average, just good goaltender. And, you know, you force an odd man out. Maybe in the short term, Swayman gets sent down. But if, they, if all three are playing well, maybe all of a sudden you trade Allmark for a forward for some scoring depth for uh, another defenseman or something like he's, he's a, he's playing well. And there's a lot of teams that would use a goalie. He's more of like a one, a one B. He's not like, he's not a, he's not a horse, but um, this, this can only help your team either in the immediate future from a roster perspective or from a trade chip perspective with the deadline. So I, I love this move. Yeah. I like, I could, Rask is good. I get it. He's going to come in. He'll be their number one goalie. All Mark will slide into the one B position. I really do think this stunts Jeremy Swayman's growth. He's had a really good season. And you want to reward guys for coming in. He outplayed Allmark in the preseason. He, he's playing well. And then you just ship him off. Like, go down to Providence. Like, sorry, we got two Rask coming in. There's nothing we can do. I don't know. I don't like it. I know you can do that because he's on his ELC. It is what it is. It's just a business. And I just didn't like how they have this preordained thing where Tuka's going to come back and he knew he was going to step into the starter's role. And I don't, I don't think this helps the team at all. I don't think Tuka wins them any more games. Maybe the guys like him a little more. Maybe he, who knows? I don't like the idea of Tuka coming back. There's more options out there for go good to Vander Kane. Go try to get a Thomas hurdle. I don't know what it is. There's other, there's other issues that they have to deal with. So we, we dealt with the, with the East, those eight are locked in. I agree. Nothing's going to happen there. There's no one who's going to go on a run. Let's move to the West. The West is a little more fluid. 
things are happening. There's a little more maneuverability in there. Teams seem to go on runs. Teams just get cold. Nobody's really consistent. What do you see happening as it stands right now? The next closest team in the central is Winnipeg. Dallas is right there in the Pacific. LA is always sniffing around. San Jose won't seem to go away. And then there's the Vancouver Canucks who are just winning every game possible these days. Which team is going to make that jump, Tim? And which team is going to fall out? Who's who's replacing who? Because there's got to be some movement in the West, I would think. Yeah, there is. And remember the the, the playoff format's going back to the old with a three and three, three and three wild card, right? But right now so it the, works out where it's four and four. So right. So the the top two teams in the wild card now, are Colorado and Edmonton, right behind them are Vegas, Winnipeg, San Jose, and Vancouver. Um, I love what Vancouver's doing, but Winnipeg's a team for me that's currently out of a playoff picture that will jump into one. Hellebuck has not been his best this year. He's shown he's shown it at time, but the team on paper just is too talented. Um, had another great goal from Kyle Connor over the weekend, overtime three on three goal. I, I just think this team's too good to not make the playoffs. And I, I think if they're better than the Kings, they're better than the Sharks, they're better than the Canucks. So the Jets are that team for me. But who do they take out? Who, if they're in, who's out then? If they're in, then I think Nashville's a team who's out. Um, they're a good team. I know it's kind of hard to say. I, I just, uh, I don't, I don't buy into Nashville, and I think they. It makes me nervous how much they rely on Juice Saros to to save them every single night. You know what I mean? Like he's he's been really good, but if the goalie's the best player on the team, that just makes me from an outside observer. Just it just makes me nervous. I think they're. I don't see from them what we've seen from like St. Louis or Minnesota. Colorado's got all the talent in the world. So if there's an odd man out, it's got to be Nashville. Although not to say they aren't a great team, but they'd be my pick to slide out. I love that because you saved the low hanging fruit for me because I'll tell you who's going to make the playoffs. It's the Vancouver Canucks. Ever since Bruce Boudreau took over this team, they've been on fire. They've been clicking. It's just been a completely different team to watch on the ice. They've been fun. They've been electric. They've been up and down the ice. It's been a, it's been a pleasure to watch this team. This, this was the team that Jim Benning wanted. This is the team that he assembled. He's like, this, we're going to go fast. We're going to play fast. We're going to be exciting. What's interesting is that Oliver Ekman Larson is not putting up the points he has in years past, but his defensive game is actually it's come around. He's playing really solid defensive hockey. I don't know if that's just because he's got to make up for Hughes or he, he just doesn't have it in the offensive end anymore. He's really just working on his positioning and playing good, solid defensive hockey. For whatever reason, he's playing good. Maybe he's not living up to the big contract he has, but he is, he is doing, he's being productive elsewhere on the ice. And I don't see this is going to stop. I don't think this is just a, a 10-game trend where they're all of a sudden going to turn it off and revert back to the team we saw last year and earlier this year. I think Vancouver is going to make the playoffs. I like what they're doing. I like Thatcher Demko. He is an undercover, really, really solid goaltender who is a star in this league and has Vesna potential written all over him. They have goal scoring top to bottom. Their defense is good. I like Tyler Myers. I like Oliver Ekman Larson. I like everything to do about their defense. They're the new age defenseman who can jump up in the play, be an asset on the offense, and hopefully not be that much of a liability in the back end. So if they're in, who's out? Ugh, I love hating on the Oilers. And it was a tough first couple months of the season. It really was because they, they came out of the gate one month ago, Tim, if we were to do this podcast, I would have 
people would have called me crazy to see the Oilers weren't going to make the playoffs. They had the best points percentage winning in the NHL. That total, it was 0.765 or whatever. They were 16 and five. They were firing on all cylinders. McDavid and Dreinsidel were just lighting the world on fire. And people would think I'm crazy. Fast forward 30 days. Since that time, they've gone two and nine. They're 15th place in the NHL. They have no semblance of any kind of team play. They're, they're a ship without an utter. They, they don't know which direction they're going. Are they a high-scoring offensive team? Are they a shutdown defensive team? How are they going to win games? Oh, lo and behold, they really did rely on their power play for the first half of the season, which was just carrying, carrying them to wins. They're not getting many power plays lately. They're on an Eastern Conference road swing now. They've gotten one power play in two games. And it's not because the refs are giving them the, the screw job. It's because they're not moving their feet. They're not getting the penalties that they got in the, pre- uh, in the first couple of months of the season. They're not playing Edmonton Oilers type hockey. They're not getting up and down the ice. I don't know what's happened to the Edmonton Oilers, but it's concerning. Like I said, the last two games after the, this little Christmas break, extended Christmas break, I thought they were going to come out on fire. I thought they were going to fix whatever has ailed them. They lost to the Devils. They lost to the Islanders, who, by the way, are seventh and eighth in their division. They're garbage. And now they got to go and play the Rangers and they're just going to get the doors beat off them because the Rangers are one of the hottest teams in hockey. It's not good. And everybody's banging for Tippett to be fired. We want, we want Tippett's head, just like they wanted McClellan fired, just like they wanted every other coach who's been to Edmonton fired. It's not the coaches. It's not the coaches. It's not the GM. It's not the owner. This is an Edmonton culture. This is what happens. For those of you who wanted Tippett to be fired, Ken Holland has never fired a coach in season. Never happened. All his years in Detroit, they've had some bad teams. They've had some good teams. He has never fired a coach in season. So that will never, ever happen. There's a lot of things the Edmonton other needs. They need a goaltender. They made a huge mistake this offseason by re-upping Smith for two years. The Co- What's the other goal's name? Kotkinemi, Koskinen? Koskinen. Koskinen. He ain't doing it. He plays good one night. And he plays bad for two nights in a row. They had a rookie come up. He's played well. Are you re- really going to put all your eggs in your rookie's basket? Let him steer the ship for your team? No. Their goaltending situation is an absolute joke. Their defense is even worse. They haven't had the six guys, rightfully. Like I'm going I'm to give them a pass on this. Their top six, they haven't had them the whole season other than two games. The last two games, they've all been playing together. Somewhat mixed results. Bouchard is finally back. Keith's back. Barry's back. Their main issue now is left side defense. After Darnell Nurse, it's a complete dumpster fire. Duncan Keith is old. He, ha- he isn't what he used to be. I don't think that's going to maintain itself. Slater Kokek, he's not good. He's not good. It's a bad situation back there. Bouchard is just a defensive liability. Tyson Berry is a defensive liability. I don't like their defense. I never did like their defense. I think getting rid of Adam Larson and Ethan Bear was a big mistake for them. The plus is for Edmonton. Hyman's been good. Paul Viari's been good. Those are the only two guys I think have been good, other than McDavid and uh, Dreinsidel. Uh, Nugent Hopkins has been bad. Yamamoto has been bad. <clears throat> Getting back to the point, they are not going to make the playoffs. They ha- this is an insane, st- insane stat, Tim. The last 24 games, the other team has scored the first goal 20 times. Wow. 20 times for a team as offensively gifted as Edmonton. That's not a trend. That's just not some fluke stat. That is something something wrong with your team. And I alluded to this at the beginning of this little tangent I'm on. What is wrong with Edmonton is they have no leadership. They have no one in that locker room 
who can get the guys going. They have no one in that locker room who can take someone in the corner and say, hey, you're not playing very well. They have no one who can just get the fellows fired up. After these last couple losses, I found the quotes from Darnell Nurse and Connor McDavid and Dryan Seidel, all their top guys, their comments after the losses were very telling. Darnell's nurse comments is where, you know, you know, we played well. It's a long season. You know, we, we have a, a few things to work on, but I, li- but I liked our game overall. This was after a game they gave up 17 grade A scoring chances. This was after a game where they had no offensive five on five going on. They scored a gift goal off the other team's skate. It was a terrible game for them. And for them to just have that kind of comment was, was telling. I think Dryan uh, Seidel's comment was echoing that where he said, you know what? We played really well tonight. You just lost to the New York Islanders in overtime. And you said you played really well. You are a Stanley Cup contending team. And you said you played really well after a loss. I want to see from my top guys, a little bit of fire, a little bit of passion, a little bit of animosity. I want to be, I want to see you pissed off. When a reporter asks, how was the game? I want you to say we sucked. Did we win? No. Well, then we didn't play good at all. We should mop the floor with the New York Islanders at this point in the season. We should be crushing the New Jersey devils. And these guys are, it's, it, it reminded me when Taylor hall was still there where it, it was always a process. We're building this is, you know, this, this isn't a, a one year thing next year. We'll be better. This is the mindset that these guys have. I want Connor McDavid to come out and, and take a question from a reporter and be like, our defense sucks. Our goaltending's a joke. Our forwards are terrible. Now, in those exact words, but I want him to challenge his team. I've been on really good teams. I've been around really, really good players, and I, I've talked about this before. It was amazing to me to see the passion in Johnny Taves' eyes after a game, during the game. He held people accountable. He went up and down the bench, and if you weren't pulling the rope, you were going to hear it. He was going to let you know what you were doing wrong, and he did it. He had a different kind of approach to every single guy. He knew I was very sensitive. I was kind of a... a, a, a you know, I, I would lose it if someone would come to me. So he pulled me aside. He's like, Yanni, you got to do something different. Like, I get that. I respected that. T- or, uh, McDavid doesn't do that. John Seidel doesn't do that. Nurse doesn't do that. Maybe that's what they were hoping with Duncan Keith. But how much does his voice carry when he's 38 years old and like one step out the door and everybody's hoping he doesn't come back next year because his salary is so high? There's no passion at Edmonton. There's no um, grit. There's no will to win. Nobody has it. Hyman came from a losing scenario in Toronto, so maybe he brought that with him. There's nobody there who I think can turn around this culture in Edmonton. It starts with the top guys. It starts with the coaches. It starts with the GMs. Nobody has the, the, a pair to be like, Let's just, we're a bad hockey team. That's what I want someone to be like right now. We're a bad hockey team. We should be killing these teams, and we're losing, and we're losing in overtime, and it's not okay. Right now they're saying, oh, you know, we're good. They probably all have life coaches. They call him after the game. Huh? How did I play? And the life coach is like, you did great. You did great. You're dash three. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. The goalie should have saved it. And it's just, (laughs) it is, it's the truth. No one will tell them to their face. Like you suck right now, guys. You're not good. It's not good enough. You got to be better. You got to want to, you want to win a Stanley cup. I don't think they came into this season with the mindset that they want to win a Stanley cup. What's the point? If you don't come into this season thinking that you're going to win the Stanley Cup, honestly, what's the point? I went on a Nation Network podcast and they were arguing how good Edmonton was. I'm like, do you think they're going to win the Stanley Cup? And to a man, all of them were like, no, they're not. Like, well, what the heck's the point? What are we doing here? Why bother? Why bother showing up then? If you have these type of talented players and you don't think you're going to win the Cup, then what are we doing here? Go home. 
This is a travesty. We say it every single year they're wasting these guys' careers. How many years have they been on the Oilers? Drying Saddle McDavis. Is this five, six now? Six, yeah. Brutal. And they're going to miss the playoffs this year, and Vancouver's going to overtake them. And maybe then it'll be a wake-up call, but it won't. They'll say, well, look at how many points they got. It wasn't me. I did my job. I had my guy. And that's why Edmondson will not make the playoffs right there. Another thing is Dave Tippett doesn't know how to manage his lines. He's a very old-school coach. Very old school mentality where he wants to reward vets. He's a very, I'm going to give my vets the time. Last game, Ryan Nugent Hopkins was out. They, they call a guy up from the minor leagues, Tyler Benson, very skilled forward, very shifty, you know, very crafty with the puck. They put him on the fourth line. What good is he going to do on the fourth line? What, what's the point? Well, I'm going to put him with Derek Ryan and Colton Skibor. Why? Then you wonder why he doesn't succeed. And then you put Devin Shore on a line with Dreinsaitl. Devin Shore is a very solid fourth-line player. We've seen that. He's had a career making a very good living being a fourth-line player. Tippett will not put Tyler Benson on the second line. I don't understand why. It doesn't make sense to me. It's an old-school mentality that needs to kind of shift with this team. This team needs that because you're going to score goals. You have to score goals if you're Edmonton to win games. You're not going to win one nothing with this goaltender and with these six defensemen. It's not going to happen. <clears throat> So you so you truly believe that Vancouver Vancouver will overtake them? They'll make the playoffs. The Oilers will miss. If it's not Vancouver, it's LA. I think Edmonton's going to miss the Stanley Cups unless they unless uh, miss the playoffs. Excuse me. Unless they make a trade, they have to do something to to shift the mentality in that locker room because right now it's it's completely gone. When they're saying that they played well after losing to the New York Islanders, it, that ain't good. That is not good. So who's a guy that would make sense to trade for them? Like who's who's someone they could bring in that would address that? I don't know. There's not a lot of guys like that. They're hard to come by. Vander Kane, maybe. What about uh, Pavelski? Oh, a Pavs would be beautiful there. He would be great. He makes too much money. He makes yeah. way too much money. So a Giroux, if he would cut his contract, you need a guy to go and shake it up, tell these young kids that they're not all that they are, and to just light a fire on their behinds. Because right now they're a little too comfortable. They think they're the best. They don't want to be pushed. They don't want to be challenged. And when they do lose, they think it's okay. It's not okay to lose. It's not. You're going to lose, but you should be upset after you lose. You shouldn't just go and talk in the media how, you know, we'll get him next time. We played really, really good, though. I thought we, you know, we deserved a better fate. No, you didn't. You guys are losers. But uh, it, it is what it is. You've lost nine of your ass 11. And for a team that's supposed to win the Stanley Cup, you're not going to even, you're not going to make the playoffs. Vancouver's going to be in there. And you're going to be golfing and you're going to be telling the press after the season. You know, we made a lot of strides. We had, we had a couple tough bounces, but you know, I, I like, I like our team going into 2023. I really do. You know, uh, we're, we're really going to put it together. We're going to learn a lot of lessons. We're, we're going to go back. We're going to reevaluate. We'll, we'll have a better next year, you know? And, and that's what it is. I'll get my heart trophy. I'll shine it up. I'll put it on the shelf. I got a lot of room for Stanley cups and they're, they're never going to be filled, but you know, Next year will be better. Next year, pat each, pat each other on the back. You did good. You had a good year. It's like, we all suck. That's, that's, what the, that's what they need. You know how Notre Dame has played like a champion? They need one in their locker room that says, we all suck. Because they all think they're too good. And then they can look at it and they go, oh, you know what? Maybe we do suck. Maybe I should work a little harder. Maybe I should maybe get in that lane. That's, that's just, I am a very, I, I wouldn't work as a coach nowadays. I'd be fired after two weeks. Guys would come off the ice. I'm like, that was a shitty shift. We got to bleep that out. But yeah, it, like it's just bad. Players are too coddled nowadays. Brutal. All right, Tim. That's so Edmonton. Long, long answer, longer, but it's Edmonton. They're playing tonight against the Rangers. Who do you like? Who do you think? Rangers. If you That's just my... lose to the Devils and the Islanders, it's it's a no brainer 
the Edmonton Oilers, they're not going to win this game. They probably think, they, yeah, whatever. All right, let's, let's talk about the Winter Classic, and then we'll get out of here. What did you think of the Winter Classic? Didn't watch it. It was, just, a, it was a good game. Well, sorry, go ahead. I cut you off. I don't know. I straight up forgot about it. I mean, I was moving in and stuff, but I was like, yeah, I, I like checked Twitter. I'm like, oh, yeah, that game's almost over. I forgot that was on today. I don't know. Yeah, it just I seems like that's, it's overhyped or underdeveloped. I, I don't know. The last few Winter Classics, I think, have been very forgettable. There hasn't been a really good rivalry game. They haven't advertised it or hyped it up as much as they could have. I think it's lost its flavor. You know, it, it is what it is. It's a Winter Classic. They have one every year. Then they're going to do the this outdoor game and this outdoor game. They need to scale back the outdoor games, go back to one per year. <clears throat> Make it a little more special, but it was cool. It was very frigidly cold, coldest, coldest outdoor game on record. They had to heat the ice in order to play. The ice was too cold, and when ice gets too cold, it chips. It's not good to skate on. So I'm very excited. What I liked was the uh, the Blues showed up to the rink with like their Hawaiian gear. It was like minus a hundred, and they were showing up in flip flops, and they got a little zinc on their nose for the sun. Ryan O'Reilly. If there's one guy in the NHL who I think I would want to hang out with, just because they look cool, it's Ryan O'Reilly. He looks so cool. Chest hair. I like that. I like him. I man crush. I like it. I don't know. What do you want me to do? Who, who was your man crush Monday for the NHL? Uh, I have a few man crushes in the NHL. Um, Bergeron. And it's a lame answer, but that's he's so such good. A he's pick. So beautiful. Uh, I love most cider now too. Do you see, he was like, he, I want to say they played the caps the other day or this weekend. Um, he was bullying. There's one shift where like he, d- he decked the guy twice and then decked the third guy and they started a scrum because they just like couldn't knock him off the puck. He looked really good. He's just he's just yeah. bullying people. I love it. How long until he becomes uh, a Norris Trophy contender? Um, I bet he starts getting votes in the next couple of years. I mean, cont- like a finalist, probably not for three or four. Maybe I don't know. What do you think? They, they got him on the power play. He's playing really good hockey. I, I think three, four years is going to be in the Norris Trophy conversation because Detroit's going to continue to be better. They're not going to make the playoffs this year, but they will be a very dangerous team in two, three, four years, like we talked about. All right, let's let's get to the points bet, Tim. It's time. Well, yeah, we sort of teased it already. There's only one game tonight. It's been it's uh, Rangers against. Oilers, it's in New York. Oilers have lost a couple of bad games in a row. Uh, Zabanajad had a hat trick over the weekend. They're looking really good. It's the Rangers are actually underdogs. They're plus one hundred in this game. I'm hammering that easily for so sure. Rangers, yes, big time. Absolutely. The fact that they're underdogs is crazy to me. I don't know who sets these lines or who's working at points, but they're almost giving the money away. They want us to to win all their money because. The Oilers have no chance in this game. They they really don't. They're they're playing uninspired hockey. They're just a, they're a, a joke of a team right now. And yes, they can turn it around. They have very very skilled players. So don't come after me. But Rangers all day, absolutely Rangers all day. All right, everybody, Tim, I'm very excited. You got your couch. You're just balling out there in Charlotte in the penthouse. I love it. Thank you everybody for listening. Appreciate the support. We'll get back to you on Wednesday. Hope everybody had a good New Year's. Everybody got home safe and sound. We will talk to you later. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.